0: up victory what's up, victory hey guys I'm excited I got my amazing wife summer up here with me today what's up and yes to go ahead and answer the question in the room we are wearing matching t-shirts
1: yes and ladies I did not purchase these he purchased them all right Come here- on now Extra husband brownie points. All right,
0: we are not the couple who walks around Six Flags in matching tie-dye shirts with our hands, hands in each back other's back pocket. pockets. Um, <laughs> I bought this shirt like a year ago, and first time I've worn it, just I want to keep my guy card, all right? <laughs> you know? um, I but I'm my- excited about today because today's really special um, for, for several reasons. One, um, just on the calendar, this just kind of snuck up on us this last week, but it's pretty cool, is actually this weekend, is the one-year anniversary of Summer and I getting the torch from Pastor Dennis and Colleen um, to be the senior pastors here at Victory. So the last year, it feels like a month and 20 years all at the same time. Uh, it's pretty crazy, but uh, it, we're glad to be with you. Amen. Uh, I, I love this house. And today, here's what we wanna do. I wanna actually talk about one of the things that I I would actually say is one of my greatest accomplishments. And I am freshly 42. Okay, turned 42 this last week. And... um, so I've seen some stuff. I've been able to, to see people get saved. A lot of people get saved. A lot of lives get transformed. A lot of families get turned around. See this house get built. I, I, I mean, I love this. I've been able to be a part of some really cool things. But it really all pales in comparison to this one thing, which is also another anniversary, and it's this. In, in two and a half weeks, on September 1st, it's actually our 20th wedding anniversary. Um, That's a big deal. 20 years uh, together, actually together for 24. And and that's the thing. I mean, really, compared to everything else, this thing stands above it all, is that 24 years ago, in October of 1997, Summer Waldrich and I, uh, began dating and 20 years ago, September 1st. Uh, it was 911 before 911. We got married 10 I days before 9/11. gave him an easy
1: date to remember. 911. Yes. Yeah,
0: that right? was the idea. I was like, "Woo! I can remember that the rest yeah. of my life." Um, and I'm I'm glad to say this before the Lord. I'm not making this up. Uh, that through the years, uh, my love for this woman has grown, instead of decreased. <laughs> Our love has grown every single year. Um, but. That being said, (laughs) um, I will say that there is nothing more challenging in my life, nothing more um, frustrating at times in my life, nothing more stretching about my life, nothing that exposes my weaknesses, more, nothing that's more humbling and sometimes humiliating, and nothing that's more work than our marriage. And all the married folks say... Amen. Amen. And if Amen. you're
1: online, you can just put that in the chat box. Amen. Amen exclamation right? Ex- Maybe not too many exclamation, one exclamation points. Voice. Just one. Just one, right? But we know, I mean, I think both of us, we entered into marriage and we knew marriage is a blessing, but it can be the biggest challenge, right? Yeah. All right, ladies, real talk, right? He puts the ring on the finger. Right, this little bling bling, you're like, what's up everybody, hey, hey. It's not like, hey, how are you, how are you? Oh my goodness, it's so good to see you, I'm so excited, right? You're like showing off the ring, look at what my man did for me, he put a ring on it, right? You pick a date and you you pick the place, right? You say yes to the dress, you're doing all those things, getting ready. Hopefully, prayerfully, you do some premarital counseling. Yes. Right? Let's, That's a prayer, right? You exchange vows, you exchange those rings, and then the day comes, prayerfully, it's heaven on earth. You're dancing the night away with your husband, right? You go on your honeymoon and it's amazing. Yes, Lord. And all the husbands say amen, Mm -mm -mm. and the wives, right? But then you get home, right? Life begins, it's a new chapter the two of you are are learning together, the, the two becoming one, the me becoming we, all of these beautiful things, right? Then all of a sudden, there's a knock at the door. Who is it? No, it's not Uber Eats. It's not flowers being delivered. It's the devil. It's the devil, and he's coming in with all these accusations, he's pitting you against one another, right, and trying to sabotage this beautiful thing that God created this relationship between you and your spouse, that husband and wife combination. Why? Because the devil hates family.
0: How many of you found that out before, right? Come on, married people. That everything's going great, and all of a sudden, the enemy comes in like a flood. Why? Um, Because the, the enemy knows the power of a marriage that's founded in God. And so he he wants to steal and kill and destroy that thing. And the problem is the devil has convinced many people in the world and and even in the church is that how we would say it is that marriage is a three ring circus, right? You got the engagement ring, the wedding ring, and then the suffer ring. (laughs) (laughs) So I know, and you probably do too, I know some single people who are super skeptical about marriage, right? Or family because of what they saw growing up or maybe what they saw in, in the world around us. Maybe, maybe you're in here and you're a skeptical, previously married person who's gone through divorce. And now you kind of look at marriage and you're like, I don't know, but um, here, here's what I'd say. We know this is that it takes two to make a thing go right.
1: Come on now. Come
0: on. It takes two to make it out of sight. Yep. That's in 1 uh, Corinthians. Um, <laughs> And so I, I know this, listen, I know that there, there, there are a number of factors that go into a marriage, and so I, I don't want you to be going through the rest of our time here in shame or thinking that all eyes are on you because I know there are a lot of circumstances mm-hmm. that go into a marriage like that. Or maybe, maybe it's not like you've had bad relationships. Maybe you've had no relationships. And so you're skeptical. It's not like you've had some bad ones. No, you're in the Sahara Desert of relationships, right? You're in the drought. You're about to give up. Maybe you're a single parent. Maybe you've been through breakup after breakup. Maybe you've just had craziness in your marriage and your family, all right? I don't want you to give up today because here's the reality. No matter where you're at, here at Victory, we believe this. We believe that God loves family and we believe that God wants to build your family, yeah. Come on. Amen. So as we're going through this family-ish series, okay, here, here's the reality. We don't have a magic potion for you, all right? We don't have like a simple prayer that's going to turn your family around. We don't have, you know, six easy steps for, for, to get married in six months or less, right? Or else your tithe money back, you know, like we don't offer that. Um, but here's, here's the one thing I can say. Here's the one promise I can make is that we want to offer you hope. Hope, Jeremiah 29, 11. God says this, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future, come on. anybody need that today? Amen. Right. Let's read it together. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the, the Lord, Lord. Plans to did. prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. God says this to Jeremiah, but He also says it to all of us. We have a God who is about hope, who is about future, who His thoughts towards us are more numerous than the sand on the seashore, and He wants to breathe hope into us today. So, no matter what relational junk you have been through in the past, no matter what relational junk you were going through today, God is here to offer hope. Come on, every family can thrive. And I believe this, especially for today, every marriage can thrive in Jesus' name.
1: Amen. So, we're tackling these different topics, these family topics, every week of this series of family ish, right? Last week, Johnson hit on spiritual family. If you weren't here, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to that how it's important to be part of the church community. And so, today, we're going to focus on marriage. We're going to spend some time focusing on marriage, and we want to share with you something that has helped us over the past 20 years. Listen, we don't know it all. We don't have all the answers, but we are praying that this will help you if you wanna get married or maybe even if you're enjoying your, season, uh, enjoying your single season or maybe if you're married already because here's what we know. Here's what we've come to experience is this, is that it is possible. Everybody say, it is possible.
0: It is possible. It
1: is possible to have a marriage that you love and that is exciting. And so it is possible.
0: It doesn't mean. I want to pause on that. Do you believe that? Do you want that? It doesn't mean like it's all giggles and pop. Grins and giggles. It's not all grins and giggles. What I'm saying is, sometimes it's like this. But the line's going up, you're moving in the right Right. direction. Right, Right. it it is possible to look forward to going home after you get off work. Come on, we want that, right? We want that here.
1: Right, we don't wanna just have a marriage that we survive, come on. Marriage is not just about survival, but it's learning how to thrive for the long haul. That's why we're here, we wanna talk about that. And so the question we wanna to answer today is this, how can a marriage thrive for the long haul?
0: Yeah.
1: How can a marriage thrive for the long haul? And the first thing is this, is we have to return the user manual to the shelf. We have to return the user manual to the shelf. Um, you know, Johnson mentioned that we've been married almost 20 years. Whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop. And
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, sorry, we're getting all and up in upping ourselves up here. Um, anyway, I can't imagine. Obviously, we're like just bouncing off each other here. I can't imagine my life without him by my side. He makes me laugh. He makes me laugh for real, and then pulls the laughter out of me and just makes me a better person overall. And so I just I can't imagine life without him. But anyway. Side note: um, Before the wedding day, and I would say, you know, before the wedding day, and even now up to this point, there are all kinds of user manuals that we have applied to our life, so that we we would take them in prior to marriage and even now to help us have the best marriage. But we had to come to this understanding and this realization that there's a lot of great information out there. There's a lot of people who are gifted to speak about different things, but their stories don't always apply to us. And so there's the Christian, the the first one's like the Christian marriage book manuals. That's the first user manuals that we really looked at, the Christian marriage book manuals. And so there's Jimmy Evans, there's uh, Les and Leslie Parrott, there's Gary Gary Chapman, Mm -hmm. Gary Chapman, there's Tony Evans, all these people. And we would like eat it up, right? Get all the information, everything that we could, but we had to realize this. It's not everything that we read in a book applied to us. Not everything applied to us. Their stories were great but their stories didn't always lay perfectly on top of our story. So we couldn't simply copy and paste what we read in books into our marriage.
0: Yeah, so that's the first first user manual. second one is the parent's manual. So uh, one of the user manuals we look at is, is the home that we grew up in. What do we see with our own eyes? Was dad there? Was mom there? How did they interact together? And we talked about this last week, but we are covered in the dust of our families, right? And so some of that's good dust, some of that's bad dust. Um, And we bring that into marriage without even thinking about it because that's kind of our worldview. That's how we think that life works. Um, And so when we got married, um, I, I realized very quickly that I saw my parents argue one way and reconcile one way, and Summer saw her parents argue one way and reconcile one way, and that seemed all great until we got in our first big argument as a married couple, and then we realized, wait a second, we do this very different, right? And I was like, aren't you doing it the way that, that everybody's supposed to do it? But that was just the way we did it in my family, and she's getting upset with me. And so here's what we had to do, not just with arguing, but with all things. What we had to do was take what we saw at home, right? Discard the bad, value the good, and prize the God. Amen and form that together to create how we would do our marriage because if we're not careful, we'll just simply copy paste what we saw at home growing up into, into our today life, which isn't always the best thing.
1: Yeah, and then there's, so there's the parents manual, but then there's the friends manual. Y'all know, come on now. There's the friends manual, right? We have our well-meeting friends who try to give us marriage advice about what works and what doesn't work. Sometimes they've been married. Sometimes they haven't been married. And you're like, come on now, really? Come on, that's the best. No, it's not the best advice. Here's
0: anyway. Here's what I would do.
1: Yeah, here's what I would you do. You married. You're not married. i good. <laughs> here's what we'd like to say. If they have a healthy, life-giving marriage, give it a listen, take it. See what you can glean from it and put it into your life and into your marriage. But what we have found is often the loudest voices are the ones who are bitter, the ones who've been hurt, the ones who've been wounded, sometimes even you know with divorce. And so we have to be careful what we allow in that friendship, those friend manuals to come over into our lives. We can't copy and paste those things in.
0: Yeah, even well-meaning family, like yeah. mama said, daddy said, you know, that's that sort of thing. Um, I actually saw on social media this last week that uh, a wife made like a very honoring post to her husband. And so um, they had a situation where, where he worked and provided for the home and so she stayed home. And so she was thanking her husband. She was like, um, named him and said, I just, I thank you for being so diligent, working so hard, providing for our family. You've made a way for me, me to uh, be able to stay home and raise our children up. I honor you for that and you should have seen the comments. Look out, girl, that's how they trap you. <laughs> Just wait, because he's gonna leave and then you're not even gonna know how to pay the bills. Come on, girl, the clock's ticking, you better come up with your plan B. And I'm like, what in the... how cynical of a world do we live in? And what happens is people take their wounds and their experiences and they wanna put it on you.
1: Yeah.
0: And if you're not careful, that will bias you. That will jade you. You'll end up coming up with your own plan B inside marriage instead of understanding, no, there is, there is one plan for this thing. Come on, covenant till death, Amen. do his part. Amen. We're committed and we're both committed. Right. And we can't just copy paste what our friends or our family say into our lives.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, there's also society's manual. And society's manual is this set of like expectations, these stereotypes that society hands us on. This is what husbands are supposed to do. This is what wives are supposed to do. This is what you're supposed to look like, yeah. right? In the, back in the day, wives were supposed to walk around barefoot, pregnant, cooking, cleaning all day, attending to every need in the household. Yeah, don't.
0: Somebody's like, wait, that's back in the day? Yeah,
1: like, oh. exactly, um, right? and husbands were to work 80 hours a week yet still always be there for every baseball game every football game every basketball game or cheerleading event but now what we see is society is revolting against that right now it's women women are staying home or women are working and men stay home but then we have chick flicks that say men should be hyper emotional right and pornography says women should be hyper sexual and then movies show us women are passive and men are aggressive, right? They show, listen, that Hallmark channel, come on now. Y'all need, some of y'all need to just like block that. Put your parental control that you can't watch that, right? Or lifetime, right? Because it'll show that or men are insensitive and women are overly sensitive But we cannot copy and paste what society tells us how a husband should be, how a wife should be into our own lives.
0: Yeah, no, for real. Like she just alluded to it. Here's what I say. I think chick flicks are just as unrealistic as pornography. Because what they do is they paint this unrealistic picture of what a man is. Mm -hmm. You do understand. He's an actor. (laughs) And? And you understand. Pornography is acting. Right. Right. It's acting. And so what it does, it creates these unrealistic expectations. You understand that the, the guys in chick flicks are not, re, they're not real. Like, oh, tell me all your deepest emotions and I just wanna have this <laughs> deep conversation with you. Like that, that guy's never been born. He does not exist. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we buy into this thing because right. here's, but, right. but here's what happens is what happens when there's an outlier. Right. Right? Like what happens if if the husband is more sensitive than the wife? Right. What happens if the wife actually has a stronger sex drive than her husband?
1: All the men say amen.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's possible? (laughs) Um, What what if the husband likes shopping more than the wife? What if the wife makes more money than the husband? Summer made more money than I I did when we got married. I brought home that bacon. That was pretty nice, mm-hmm. to be honest. She was my sugar mama. That was good. I enjoyed that. <laughs> I think like, You want me a vacuum, honey? Okay. <laughs> and the, you know, the, like, like guys, you are in for a rude awakening. When you get married and you take your shirt off and your wife's not like, oh, like she doesn't <laughs> faint. And I'll be you're like, that's what the movies say. It's nah. supposed to happen. Are you hot? Like, <laughs> <Right? laughs> come on. See, and, but here's the, here's, the, here's the deal. There's a reason why stereotypes exist, right. okay? Because they're largely true, right? I, I believe this. I believe that God did wire most women to be more home-oriented than men. And God did wire more men to be more work-oriented than women. But here's what we've had to understand. What is true of many is not true of all. Right, right. What's true of many is not true of all. So here's the problem, guys. If we're glued to all these manuals, it can feel like you're broken. Yep. Or it can feel like your spouse is broken, right? Because what if you've been taught your whole life you know that that women are meek and quiet and then you marry one that's not? Right, but like men are blank and women are blank, and men want blank and women want blank, and if you do X, then she'll do Y or he'll do Y or whatever that is. And then we get disappointed because our spouse isn't matching up with the user manual right. that we've bought into, and we think that something's broken.
1: And it's re- well, and I think you know, I think about when we first had our kids. I read all the books. I am studying to be the best parent I can be. Right? I want to have it all perfect, scheduled for the baby, all those things. So I'm trying to do all of these things, I've read the books, I've read the manuals, and guess what? I put Jeremiah down for that first nap, that boy's waking up within 15 minutes screaming his head off. I'm like, what am I doing wrong, right? What am I doing wrong? He wouldn't sleep when he was supposed to sleep, he wouldn't eat when he was supposed to eat, and I'm thinking to myself, I just must be a bad mom, right? Or or it can be what's wrong with my baby, and listen, here's the thing, I remember calling a friend and going, hey, I read the book, but this is not working. She was like, oh, I don't know what's wrong. Worked for me. (laughs) Thanks, right? Make me feel like junk. But the thing was is that those tips worked for many parents, but it didn't work for all parents. And so what I discovered in that moment is my child was not a robot. He was unique, right? And anything that treats another person like a robot is dishonoring to them, and it blocks us from seeing the unique person God has called them to be. Listen, you can't give X input and expect to get Y out of it, right? Listen, your spouse is not there to meet all of your needs. Only Jesus can meet all of your needs. So let me just say this, your marriage is unique. Right, your spouse is unique—the person sitting right next to you, even if you don't know them. Right, they are unique.
0: For real. Yeah. So, what I'd say is, thank God for all the user manuals. But at the end of the day, the only user manual that we need to relentlessly cling to is the Bible. Amen. Is the Word of God, right? The word of the Lord, the the leading of God is the non-negotiable for every single one of our families. I want you to think about it like this. Just imagine if Joseph had held to first century Israel's user manual. He would have stoned Mary for getting pregnant outside of marriage, right? But instead he leaned into the voice of the Lord who revealed to him the uniqueness of the situation, the uniqueness of Mary, and instead of following society's manual, he followed God's manual, for the time, And, and, and so 2, 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, all scripture, all scripture is God-breathed. That's theonoustos. That means that the Spirit spoke it, the Spirit breathed it. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in family, come on, in righteousness, mm-hmm. so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped. How many of you wanna be thoroughly equipped for all of life, especially in family, especially in marriage, for every good work?
1: Amen. So listen, we, we are so grateful and so thankful For all of the great marriage books that are out there, marriage podcasts, this is not a, hey, just don't listen to those things. Absolutely take it and get what you can glean from them. There are a lot of people anointed. God has given them an anointing and calling to speak on marriage. But at the end of the day, what we know we cannot live without is God's word. What we know we can't live without is like hearing God's voice and being led by the spirit of the living God. So we can build our lives and our, fair, and our family and our marriages on it, right? That's so powerful. He gives us everything that we need in his word. And so, listen, here's, here's a challenge to you today. I want, just, let's just make a decision. I'm not gonna be caged in by all the user manuals out there, right, whether it's a parent manual, society manual, whatever that manual might look like. I'm gonna choose to be led less by maybe a, a Dr. Phil's words, right? And choose to be led more by God's word. That's our challenge today.
0: Yeah. So if we're gonna have a marriage that doesn't just survive, but actually thrives for the long haul, we gotta return the user manual back to the shelf. And the second thing we have to do is we have to realize the uniqueness of our spouse. So return the user manual and then recognize, realize the uniqueness of our spouse. So um, I'm, you know, many of you know I'm getting my master's degree. And so actually I had a class last uh, just a few weeks ago. And one of the professors came in and he had written a book called The Enneagram Goes to Church the Enneagram goes to church. How many of y'all know the Enneagram? All right, so it's a personality test is what it is. So before everybody freaks out, it's not witchcraft. <sighs> um, really, personality test, this is what it is. Um, they're descriptive, not prescriptive.
1: Right.
0: Does that make sense? So it's basically just giving you insight on who God, how God made you, uniquely made you, and it's not a horoscope, it is not like you know, telling you what you have to do with your life, it's not prophetic, it's more telling you just kind of like here's some things that, that are probably make up who you are. Um, and he went around the room and he asked the question like, hey, what Enneagram number are you? So if you don't know Enneagram, basically it's the understanding that people major on thinking or feeling or doing. Thinking, feeling, doing, and those three make up the nine, the different matches of that make up the nine personality types. And so he asked uh, this room full of megachurch pastors, said, hey, what Enneagram number are you? And so down the line, everybody was threes, sevens, and eights. So threes are achievers, eights are controllers, sevens are enthusiasts. So I'm an enthusiast, I'm a seven. I don't know if you knew that. and. Um, so so down the line were three, sevens, and eights. And he said, that's very interesting. He clicks next. And the slide says, megachurch pastors tend to be threes, sevens, and eights. And he said, there's a reason for that, okay? And it's because three, sevens, and eights trend towards majoring on thinking and doing. And in his words, they drop feeling. They drop feeling. Uh, and he says, that's actually what enables uh, three, sevens, and eights to do high-stress jobs like mega church pastors, because what would crush many people, the stress, I don't feel it, right? And so, but I I raised my hand. I said, hey, I agree to disagree because, hey, I'm a seven. And so I feel like I feel a lot. And he said, well, here's the tricky thing about sevens. He said, sevens tend to love and cling to the top range of emotions. So like joy and passion and excitement and energy, but you are terrified of the bottom range of emotions. You run away from the bottom range of emotions, of grief, of sadness, of anything that feels like depression or bad days. You try and get out of that as fast as possible. Many times you don't even know how to feel that. And I'm like, dude, get out of my head. <laughs> like, <laughs> like this is totally me. And um, a while back, my counselor had actually told me this. He said, Johnson, you think your feelings, you don't feel your feelings. And I was like, I think I'm offended at that.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't feel offended. I think I'm offended. Um, but it's so, it's so interesting because that's something that, that trends towards rising up in our relationship where I have a hard time feeling emotion. I have a hard time feeling deeply whenever there's conflict between the two of us. And to make that kind of amplify that, Summer, I'm a seven. I'm an enthusiast. Summer is a two, which means she's a helper. I'm a helper. Which, where I lack feeling, she has feeling. And so where I major on thinking and doing and drop feeling, she majors on feeling and thinking and trends towards dropping doing, which now I'm starting to think about this. And I'm like, this is why we disagree about church stuff all the time. Cause I'm like, she thinks that we're moving too fast and we're not feeling enough. And I think we're moving too slow and feeling too much. <laughs> I'm like, this makes sense.
1: I mean, God puts the two of you together to balance each other out, right? Come on. That's right. So then there's, this, there's the Myers-Briggs test, which is out there, and there's, Johnson and I are very similar in, in Myers-Briggs, if you're familiar with that, but there's one uh, letter that we're different in. He is a P, and I am a J. That means Johnson likes to do things last minute. I like to prepare in advance. I like to be prepared, not rush into things. And so what happens is many times what we would find is we'd be getting ready to plan something. We're gonna go on vacation. I'm like, hey, can we talk about this? It's two weeks out. He's like, babe, really? We're like two weeks out. Yeah, we're like two weeks out. I'd like to plan this out. I'd like to have some things in place. He's like, oh my gosh, this is so frustrating. Right, and we're getting these huge arguments because he's more last minute, so he likes to prepare um, the day before, before anything, where I am a, let's plan this out and be more strategic to plan in advance, so.
0: I like to think of it that I'm a good steward of my time.
1: Mm. <laughs> I don't know we, we talked to so,
0: <laughs> We talked to a woman at the, at the door, she was like, yeah, my husband's so last minute. Like last night, he was just thinking about what he's gonna wear today, and I'm like, when did you start thinking about what you're gonna wear <laughs> on Sunday? It's like, there was like 10 minutes before we left like this morning, (laughs) goodness gracious. Um, And then, you know, and then another difference, I'm an internal processor and she's an external processor. And so what that means is my mind's like going a hundred miles an hour and I'm thinking about everything and I'm processing it before I speak it. So what that means is usually by the time that I speak, it's pretty well thought out thought that comes out. She's an external processor. Which means where I'm like, no la, 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 on the inside, she's like, la, 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 on the outside. And I'm like, what are you even talking about, right? But as Be she's patient. talking I'm it. Like,
1: Be patient, it's coming. Yeah. But as it's she's coming. talking
0: about it, she's like, oh, and she's forming her thoughts outside, right? But that's led to frustrations in our marriage where she's like, you don't talk enough. And I'm like, well. <laughs> Sometimes you talk a all, all right. lot. <laughs> Again,
1: the Lord puts you with somebody to balance you out, right? <laughs> and then we read the five love languages, if you have heard that. It's another one. In the five lo- love languages, it talks about how we give and receive love differently. And when we were dating and then when we got married, I love to give Johnson cards. I would go to the store. I would look intensely through the cards. What describes how I feel about this man, right? Then I'd write, put all these personal thoughts in there. I'd process it on the card and give it to him. He's like, oh, what's this? (laughs) Are you kidding me? I just poured my heart and soul into this. And it's, oh, what is this?
0: It's not a Hallmark movie.
1: It's (laughs) not. (laughs) Why? Because he wanted physical touch.
0: Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> Amen.
1: So I'm all upset, right? He's not giving me cards. You could put this on your mirror when you get ready. You could sit in your car and look at it throughout the day, like when what? you come home from work. What am
0: I supposed to do with this? Remember
1: how much I love you, right?
0: Yeah. Then he's yeah. up,
1: sit over there because I'm not giving him physical touch, all the back massages and everything else, right? Yeah, everything else. And. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Johnson Hill Bowie.
0: We're not recording this, are
1: really. we? Oh, it's out. Oh my goodness.
0: But over time, we came to this realization. We didn't marry her a robot. Right? Right? I didn't marry myself. Come on. And so I had to come to this realization. She's unique. Mm. She's not just like everybody else. In fact, when God made her, he threw away the mold, right? Like, God doesn't make duplicates. She's unique in her own amazing way. And so here's the question. If you're, if you're married out here, when you look at your spouse, who do you see? Do you see what God sees? Amen. Or are they a formula? Somebody, if I give this X input, I'll get Y input out, as if it's all about me. Or they absolutely, beautifully, amazingly unique. Genesis 127, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created the male and female, he created them. That God put his unique dreams and passions and abilities and callings and purposes inside that person, that they were made for something great, just like you, and mm-hmm. just like every other person in this room, and just like the waiter this afternoon, and just like your kids, and just like your coworkers, and just like your neighbors, they are beautifully, fearfully, wonderfully amazing. made, yeah. that God smiles when he created them. God rejoices yeah. over them with shouts of joy, and that's what makes two becoming one in marriage so amazing. Mm-hmm. Paul calls it a mystery. It wouldn't be a mystery if you married yourself, somebody who was just like you. It'd be natural. But when you marry somebody who is them, themselves, that is God puts two to make one, and he's the third cord that binds it all together, something amazing happens in this thing called marriage. And this is this is so important, because if we don't pause to understand that and appreciate that and value that, then we'll get frustrated by that. right. We'll get frustrated by our differences and instead of celebrating our differences, we'll criticize our differences, right? And we'll find ourselves saying things like, well, well, why doesn't she do more? Or why doesn't he feel more? Why doesn't he talk more? Why doesn't she talk less? Right, come on, like, like why, why does she have to be so planned out? Why is he so last minute? Well, you're so over-emotional. Well, you're under-emotional. And here's how I'd say it, guys. Let's treasure our differences, not trash them. That's
1: good.
0: Let's treasure our differences, not trash them. That person in your life is unique and amazing. Come on. They are different than I am. That doesn't make them insensitive. This is one of the biggest realizations. That doesn't make them intentionally insensitive. It doesn't make them intentionally a jerk. It may feel that way to you because you're one way, but they're another way. But that's what makes you uniquely you Man. and them uniquely them. Amen. And listen, I'm, yes, 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 yes. Continue growing. Yes, leave the sinful nature behind. I'm not talking about sinful differences. But what I am saying is begin to understand and recognize and realize the unique you and the unique them. And here's here's what I love, across the years, but especially in the more recent years, is that the Lord has helped me to see the amazing, unique you that you are. And what used to frustrate me, now I love it. Because it's who you are. And I honor that.
1: And I honor you listening to me talk and talk and talk.
0: Yes, (laughs) that's what I do.
1: So, you know, we've talked about how can a marriage thrive for the long haul. We talked about we've got to return the user manuals back to the shelf. We've got to learn to realize the uniqueness of our spouse. And the third thing is this, is we have to restore honor and cherish our spouse yeah restore honor and cherish our spouse uh, last last month actually we were in uh, another state uh, Johnson's nephew got married and we went and they said the vows like to honor and cherish till death you part if you're in here if you are if you're married you've said those vows if you've been to a wedding which most of us have right we've heard that those vows and a hundred percent of the time, the person says, I do. They say, I'm gonna honor, I'm gonna cherish till death do we part, right? We commit to this honor and cherishing and that's called a covenant, right? It's not I'm just signing a contract. It's, it's creating a covenant. But what we've seen is that so many marriages break apart because they stop honoring and cherishing one another. Let me say this. Honoring and cherishing your spouse is a choice. Yeah, It's a choice. Both people have to make a decision to honor and cherish their spouse. It's not just about one person doing it, it's not just him doing it, it's not just me doing it. You both have to honor and cherish each other. I'd like to say this, honor is this, I just wanna define that, honor is this, it's to hold in high regard, meaning I'm gonna value what they value. I'm gonna value what Johnson values. Like, he loves to be out in the yard. I like being in the yard, but he likes it more than I do. So when he goes out in the yard, guess what? He wants me to come with him, and I'm okay with that. That's valuable to him, it's time we're spending together, so I'm gonna value that and be with him. Cherish is this, cherish is to hold dear, meaning I'm going to value who they are. I'm gonna value who he is as a son of God, as a man of God, as my husband. And and so in in this situation, it's this. In other words, to honor you means this. It says, I'm gonna find out what you value I'm gonna lean into that thing as well, even if I don't really like it. Even if I don't really like it, I'm gonna lean into that with you, right? I'm gonna value that because you value that. To cherish you means this, I'm gonna gaze upon the unique person that you are, made in God's image, and I'm gonna cherish who he's called you to be and who he has created you to be. And listen, honor and cherishing, this is not just made for marriage. So if you're in this room where I'm not married, I don't have to. No, 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 no. This is not just unique only to marriage. Honor and cherishing is for all of us. We're to cherish, we're to honor our neighbor right, to love our neighbor as ourselves. Honor and cherishing goes into loving our neighbor. In fact, in Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 10, it says this: Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. I love the way the message version, the message version says it this way, love from the center of who you are, don't fake it. Don't fake it, run, from, uh, run for dear life from evil, hold on for dear life to good, be good friends who love deeply, practice playing second fiddle. That's hard, let's be real, that's a challenge. Because sometimes we wanna be first, but what God is saying here in the moment, he's saying, hey, lay down your selfish ambitions. Lay down your pride. Lay down your ego. Let somebody else be first and let them shine. Whether this is in marriage with your husband or with your wife, or whether this is just in a relationship with your friend or a family member. Listen, the word tells us that people will know us by the way that we love. What if we loved each other and showed honor to everyone just as a life practice? What if they could see that honoring and cherishing in our life and felt that from us?
0: Mm. So, I want to say something difficult. <clears throat> um, but I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the church down the street. <sighs> um, could it be that some of us are still single because we don't honor and we don't cherish? I've met those people at the other church, not here. Um, <laughs> It's tough, but it's true. You know, that every time there's a disagreement, it's always the other person's fault.
1: Mm.
0: That I'm not gonna change how I live, you change how you live. We're not gonna meet in the middle, we're gonna meet on my side, right? Um, They're critical, sarcastic about the world around them, the people around them. They don't honor, they don't cherish. And what it does, it creates this, this environment around them. Listen, nobody wants to spend the rest of their life being criticized, yeah. to spend the rest of their life being judged, to spend the rest of their life being nitpicked, yeah. right? Nobody's like, ah, oh, I look forward to the next 70 years of that, <laughs> you're praying, Lord, take me today, <laughs> like for every day for the rest of your life. And what we have to do, we have to learn how to honor. We have to learn how to cherish one another. So I'm gonna throw out a crazy idea. This, they, here's, here's a way to honor the people around you. Sometimes do what they wanna do instead of always demanding that they do what you wanna do, right? Like, like, don't be like, oh, a baseball game. Uh, uh. Like, great. I look forward to the next three hours of this with you. It's fantastic. Don't be like, oh, shopping. Uh. Well. Just stay at home then. Like, we're not even gonna spend time together, right? Like, no, lean in and value what the other person values. That's what honor is. Listen, if you want your relationships to get stronger, if you want your marriage to get stronger, learn how to value some of the things that the other person values. Yeah. That's an honor statement. So, so, you know, earlier I mentioned that Summer and I um, don't, uh, we'll just say it, argue the same way. Like, wait, that's just not naturally inside us to argue the same way. So um, the the Bible doesn't say don't argue, but here's what it does say, okay, Ephesians 4.26. It says, in your anger, do not sin. Okay, so here's the deal. Here's what it's implying. It's possible to be angry and not sin.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay, Jesus did it all the time. He was angry and not sin. But more times than not, you're angry and you sin. So let's be careful with how we talk to each other when we're angry, but it also says, don't let the sun go down when you're still angry and don't give the devil a foothold. So again, this isn't a marriage verse, this is a life verse. Right. Okay, so it applies to every relationship, but especially inside marriage. So here's what it means. Um, we gotta fix this today, right? Don't let the sun go down on your anger. So we, we gotta be willing to talk this thing out today. So here's the, here's the reality though, I don't like doing that. All right, you know my way of arguing? Let's yell about it for a few minutes. And we just got it out. But then I figured out like Summer likes to talk about it after we yell about it.
1: Imagine that. And I'm like,
0: but we already talked about it. Very loudly, but we talked about it. And now I'm fine. I'm like, I got it all out. Like, why do we need to talk about this more, right? But what I realized is she values processing through what just happened. Yeah. And while I don't naturally want to do that, I don't like, because again, I don't like accessing those emotions. I don't like getting down inside that place, but the way I honor her is by valuing what she values. Not to mention my way of arguing probably isn't the most biblical way of arguing. <laughs> but is, is me actually moving onto her side of the court in that area, that's the way I value her, and saying, hey, you, this is the way that you wanna do this? Okay, I'm gonna honor you, and I'm gonna value you by coming into your turf and saying, all right, let's talk about what just happened.
1: Right, and then for me, my way of honoring in that moment is not weaponizing my emotions, Right or my feelings, or assuming motives in that, or weaponizing words. Because then, right it's you didn't pursue me so you don't love me. No, listen, I gotta go back to this man, we said I do, almost 20 years ago, God put him in my life, keep a record of rights and not a record of wrongs. I can't assume ill intent, right? And so it's that I'm gonna step in and, and not make an assumption and weaponize motives and say, oh, you just didn't pursue me so you don't love me. No, in that moment, I have to lean in and go, okay, he loves me. I just know I am going to do, de- I'm one who's going to say, let's process, talk through this. We'll meet in the middle with that, so.
0: But those are all things that we learned oh, over gosh. a 20 number of <laughs> years. Conflicts. 20 years. But here's the deal. I honor her by leaning in to what she values, mm-hmm. not sitting back and demanding that she lean in to what I value.
1: And I honor him by leaning into what he values and not sitting back and demanding that he lean into what I value.
0: And I cherish her by valuing the unique creation that she is.
1: And I cherish you <laughs> by, cre- by valuing the unique creation and the image of God that he placed in you.
0: Yeah. Gary Thomas uh, is an author and he says this. He says, very few marriages would ever approach divorce if each spouse would make one of their first daily comments to each other be this, how can I support you today? How can I make your day better? That's an honor statement. Yeah. Come on, instead of demanding that they come over to your side, what would happen if you actually served first? How much would it change your approach to the day if the person that you value most in the world, their first words to you after good morning were, how can, how can I make your day better? Because I want to value what you value. I want to recognize the unique image that, uh, that God put on the inside of you. And I want to read the scripture, and I want to close with this. So Proverbs 8, 20, 18, 22. It says, a man's greatest treasure is his wife. She's a gift from the Lord. Come on, men, say gift. Yeah. Gift. I'm talking about I'm talking about good gift, I'm not talking about the socks your aunt gives you at Christmas. She's a good gift. Um, I met met Summer in 97. And uh, very quickly, I I came to realize that she was different, that she was unique from any other woman I had ever met. Um, And everybody else knew it too, um, that she was a gift of God in my life. And it has been one of the great pleasures of my life over the years that coming to realize um, best friend Mother of our boys, um, partner in crime, and most and, godly and, woman and fun uh, I, I've ever known. And being together for 24 years, being married for 20 years, um, it's easy to see that now. But but here's the deal: is that I haven't always treated her like she was God's gift to me. All right, because that's the reality of a gift. You know, when you first get a gift, you're like, this is the best thing ever, and then a month passes, and a year passes, and five year passes, right? And if we're not careful, the uniqueness and the value that we used to place on that gift, we don't place that same uniqueness and that same value on that gift any longer. And what happens is, this happens inside marriage, Mm -hmm. and that's how two couples drift apart, where they stop honoring and they stop cherishing each other, and then the drift happens. And so what I wanna do as we close here um, today, I wanna give us an opportunity to allow the Lord to kind of speak into this area, of honoring and cherishing, yes, in marriage, but in every relationship in life. Let's go ahead and let's bow our heads, okay?
1: You know, we just talked about honor and cherishing, and as we're going through this, I'm sure there's things that. Um, touched everybody's hearts in different ways in this moment, but we wanna take a few moments and just invite God into the moment. And so if you're in the room here today, even if you're online, we're talking about honor and cherishing, I want you to just ask the Lord this, the question, I want you to just ask God to show you how you may have not honored or cherished your spouse, or maybe you're not good at honoring and cherishing others. It could be manipulation, maybe you manipulate things to get your way, to get ahead. It could be selfishness, that you always have to be first. Maybe you've had a, a unhe- an unhealthy addiction to pornography or you have these unrealistic expectations that nobody can meet but only Jesus. I don't know what that is. But I want you to pause and just ask the Lord, God, is there anything, any area where I haven't honored and cherished, and just just wait, open your heart to receive from him. It's not always easy to hear those things. I recognize that. Here's what I know. When we can offer those things back to the Lord and come before him in an attitude of repentance and asking for forgiveness, It's in that moment that he can help us to become better so that we can love others as he loves us and truly reflect the heart of him in honoring and cherishing those that are around us. So as you repent before him and ask for forgiveness, just receive that forgiveness now from him. now that you've received that forgiveness, I want you to just ask again, say, God, what's a way I can grow and how I honor and cherish others, whether it be my spouse or someone from the opposite sex? And as he's speaking to you now, say, Father, I receive that. I receive that, Lord. Just say, would you help me, help me to walk that out? I wanna represent you. I wanna live a life of love. Just tell them, I wanna live a life that honors and cherishes others. In Jesus' name. Here's a challenge that I just have for you this week. As you go about this week, I just wanna challenge you to just Find ways that you can honor and cherish. Maybe it's your spouse or someone else. Just say, Lord, would you give me one person in particular that you want me to honor and cherish this week? As he gives you a name right now, don't lose sight of it. In a moment, you can put it on your phone. You can put it, if you're taking notes, on your notes. And he'll give you a way to honor and cherish that person this week.
0: Father, help us to be more generous with our words, with our love, with our affection. Help us to be honoring in the way that we speak to each other. God, I pray that we would serve first, not sit back and wait to be served. And I pray over every skeptical heart this morning, God, towards marriage. God, I pray over every broken heart, I come in by the power of the Holy Spirit, mend up the brokenhearted right now. Whether that's a, a recent relational breakup, a divorce, I feel like there's some spouses who, who, who passed away. The Lord wants to heal those those wounds in our hearts even right now. In Jesus' name, That we come against the spirit of divorce that tries to come in even to into the house of God. And Father, we say what God has joined together, let man not separate, let a, let a wife not separate, let a husband not separate, let a judge not separate, let a boss not separate, Let children not separate, let the powers of hell itself not separate what God has joined together. I bless every marriage in this house. God, I bless the, the hearts and the minds today in regards to your future marriages, your future families, your current marriage, your current families, wherever God has planted you, even right now, bless you in this season, in Jesus' name. And I pray, Romans 15, 13, it says this, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God, bring hope back into dry and weary bones today. Because what's impossible with man is possible with God. Thank you for that, that we serve a supernatural God, who's able to do all things, even what we think is impossible in our current family, in our children, as we think about the future, whatever that is. And God, I thank you for the work of Jesus Christ that makes all this possible, that makes us new, (laughs) forgives us, washes away our sin gives us new thinking, new outlook on life, an eternal home and heaven. Everything changes when we say yes to Jesus. And so maybe we're here today, maybe we're online, and we need to say yes to Jesus. And so I wanna lead you in a prayer, if that's you today, if God's working on you. And here's the door, Jesus is the door into eternal life and we access that through faith. And so if you wanna pray with me, I wanna pray with you. And so you, re- you can repeat after me. Just, maybe your prayer would sound like this. Say, Jesus, thank you for loving me. So much, so much that you gave your life. You, gave the life. You, died on the cross you died on the cross for the sins of the world, for the sins of the world including, my sins. including my sins. So right now, so right, I repent, I repent and, I turn and I turn from my way, from my way and my sin, my sin and my selfishness, my selfishness and my broken path and, my broken path. and, I, turn and I turn to go your way to go your for the rest of my life. Of my Jesus life. Christ Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. God is my Father, and I'm your child. I am forgiven and free, and I am new in Jesus' name. Hey, let's lift our hands up to the Lord. as is our sign of surrendering, God. As we're saying, we're letting go of our way and our, our user manuals and our expectations and, and our criticism and our nitpicking. God, as we're letting go of all this, God, give us your way and your nature God, may the unique person inside every single one of us, God, may that rise up of who you created us to be. And God, I pray your deepest, richest blessings upon our relationships, upon our friendships, God, upon the dating relationships of this house, God, upon the marriages of this house, God, from parents to children, children to children, children to parents, one generation to the next, may we be those who honor and cherish and may we be known by our love so that your kingdom would come and your will would be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen Amen. and amen. amen.